Hi, everybody. So good to see you again. Isn't God good? He is so great. I am never, I can, I am always amazed at the greatness of God. You all know the scripture that said that He is, He, He, He is the God He was. And he is, and he is to come. God is so great that what you're experiencing right now, God has been planning for years. What you are experiencing in your life at this moment, God was planning before you were born. Because he is the God who was, and he is right now, and he is to come. He's in all of those places. So if you have something tonight that you suffered years ago, I want you to know that God is still there. He is still in that place where you suffered years ago and he is waiting for tonight. And tonight when God sets you free, he will be there in that place to cleanse everything that happened, every instance to make you completely whole tonight. Isn't God great? He is great. Let's give him praise and worship and we just welcome you here tonight. We welcome you. We are so thankful that you invited us here and God is good. Carmen got that revelation about two months ago and I'm like, you got to preach that or I'm going to preach it. Man, she got a revelation and she said that so many people are stuck in their past. You're stuck way back when you're stuck at that place. And she got the revelation that God is is outside of time. Have you ever thought about that? He is outside of time. So he is back. If you're still back there, he's still back there with you. Because he said that he will never leave you comfortless. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil for thou art what? With me. So that means if you're still stuck and you're back there in the past, then he's still back there with you to bring you into the now. Who wants to get in the now tonight? I really believe that we have a now word for tonight. And I want you to not come in and just think church as usual. I'm doing this. I'm coming to see Brian or we're coming to do that. I want you tonight to ask God to do something supernaturally inside of you. I believe uh, that, that something is going to happen tonight in people's life that you're going to remember this night. And what's neat is he's going to be in the now, but then also he's going to do this. He's going to take you into your new future. He's already, he's already there. He's already there and he's going to walk into the new. How many is ready to come out of the old, come in the now and go in the new? Amen? Amen. Praise God. Is there any area in your life that the enemy, it just seems like he comes in and out whenever he stinking pleases? Whenever he wants to, he just like comes in and out. You think you're doing good, and all of a sudden, here comes the trip up. It's almost like, hey, come here, you thugs. Come here, little principalities and powers. By the way, in the, in the spirit, it goes principalities, then powers, then rulers of darkness. And then there's spiritual wickedness in high places. And we're going to talk about that tomorrow night. But he comes up and says, hey, principalities, powers, why don't you go... Uh, 
once you go take Parker back down, he's getting a little too up. He's getting a little too excited about his faith. And the enemy can come right back into people's lives, it seems like. We're going to stop that tonight and just... Boom, put you right back where you were and where you started. It's time to go past that. I kept hearing for this revival. I never preached this point, but I kept hearing control the gates. You control the city. If you can control the gates, you're going to control the city. And know ye not that you are the temple of the living God and you are the city of God. In fact, God said, heaven is my home. The earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you will build for me? So we are that house and we are that city. And God wants us to be like Peter where he said upon Christ, the solid rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. Amen. And he said that whatever's forbidden in earth in heaven is going to be forbidden on the earth. And whatever's loosed in heaven is going to be loosed on the earth because he's given us somebody say, I have the keys of the kingdom. I have the keys to my future. I have the keys to my victory. I have the keys to my future. Control the gates. Control the city. The thief comes only in order to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come in order that you might have life in all its fullness. The name of this um, crusade or whatever you want to call it, conference, whatever you want to call it, is experiencing the fullness of God. The Bible says, the the scripture talks about how the devil is out to take something. He's out to take our faith, to take us down. In Luke 22, it said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you, that he could sift you as wheat. But I prayed for you that your faith would not fail. And look at this, it says, and when you have returned unto me, in other words, he even knew the future that Simon was going to betray him three times. He said, hey, after you do that, after you deny me and all that, after you return to me, I need you at Pentecost. I need your shadow in the future that's going to actually heal people when they get in the, in your shadow, Simon. I need you for the future to strengthen your brethren. But he said, but he said, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and death. He said, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster shall crow, you'll deny me three times. Stay alert, my friends. Stay alert. Because the Bible says the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone that he can devour and eat your lunch. Stand firm against him and be strong in the faith. I want to say the faith. There's only one faith and one Lord and one Jesus Christ. Be strong in the faith. Not your faith, but the faith. Never forget, in Deuteronomy 20, uh, 25, 17, the scripture admonishes us to never forget what, he, what the enemy did to the Amalekites when the Israelites were coming out of Egypt. How they attacked you when you were exhausted and weary. When you're exhausted and weary, the enemy came and struck you down. And he came and struck down those that are straggling behind. How many know the first thing that goes when you get under attack is you isolate and you get out of group and you get out of church so the enemy can get you dragging behind. So he said, remember what the enemy does to people like that. Don't be his prey. Don't fall proud to those things that what scripture so easily tells us in Deuteronomy. And he says, just as the gathering of vultures in Matthew 24, it says, just as the gathering of vultures, it shows that there's a carcass dead nearby. 
So these signs indicate that your end is near. You know, the enemy can smell the stench of death on people. The enemy can smell when, when you're giving up or when your faith is failing. He smells you out. And he circles you like a dead carcass. And everybody knows about it. When the, when the, when the gathering of the vultures happen, know there's a carcass nearby. These signs say it. And Timothy says this. 2 Timothy 2.24 says, The servant of the Lord must not strive, but we need to be gentle unto all men. We need to be apt to teach the body of Christ. We, I'm talking about leaders, need to be patient. In meekness, meekness means gentleness of heart, but strength of spirit. I'm going to be gentle and I'm going to be compassionate with you, the people tonight. But I'm angry tonight. I'm angry in the spirit. I'm angry at the enemy. I'm angry at what he's doing to God's people. I'm angry at what he's doing to some of you. And we're here tonight to demolish some strongholds and to tear the devil's kingdom down from the enemy that comes in and out of your life just whenever he wants. It says this, it says, in meekness instruct those that oppose themselves. How many would be like, man, I feel sorry for people that cut them, cut their arms and self-mutilate? Well, the scripture, there are many people self-mutilating and cutting their arms and opposing themselves, Second Timothy 2 says. If God can give these people repentance and give us repentance to acknowledgement of truth and hear truth and be set free, the word of God says that we can recover. It says that they can recover themselves. I want everybody to say themselves. I want you to quit waiting for somebody else to come. Do it. It says that when we hear the word and we say, I'm done being a doormat. I'm done living life like I presently am. I want to get out of the past, get in the now and get to the future. When we get there, then we can recover ourselves out of the snare of the devil. Listen how this says it. Who are taken captive by him, the enemy, the devil, at his will. At his will. Scripturally. Control the gates, control the city. Our cities are not fortified. The gates have not been hung. The walls have not been built. Therefore, many of your, many of your houses are being burned. And many of you are being disgraced by the attacks of the enemy, just like Nehemiah, when Nehemiah heard that. It's time to take back what the devil has stolen from us. It's time to go back and establish Jerusalem in our heart. Jerusalem isn't a place you go and visit in Israel. Jerusalem is right here. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's right here now. It's time to go back to Jerusalem like Nehemiah did and build the walls of our city and to hang some gates and to fill in some breaches where the enemy's used to coming in and out of his life at his will in our lives. Christ is the cornerstone. It's time to, as we build, Nehemiah said, and I'm not going to preach out of Nehemiah tonight, but they did it with hard work and they did it with perseverance and they did it with determination. And they did it with a sword in one hand and a trowel in the other. 
Block upon block, Isaiah 55 or 57 says, line upon line, precept upon precept. The word of your God, the word of God is your brick and mortar. Block upon block, let's lay some blocks. Line upon line, let's lay some blocks. Let's get the trowel out and let's put some cement on some blocks and let's get that wall halfway up. To where Sambalot, Toby, and, the, and these guys come up and they're in and out to where they come up and they say, whoa, this wall's halfway built. To where someday they're going to walk up and say, whoa, this wall's built. And then one day they're going to try to go through a gate and there's going to see, they're going to see that a gate is now hung. And a breach is now not a breach anymore. God is wanting us to do this. So I was feeling that strong. If you can't tell. I want to tell you, I am, I, I am angry tonight. That's why I didn't come to church early. I didn't want you guys to think I was angry at you. I'm angry tonight. I'm angry at what, the, the, what we're letting the enemy buy with because all heaven and earth and authority has been given to the church. It's time for us to... Okay. So I wanted to write down, how do you do this? How do you do this? I just randomly pulled two things out. I said, Lord, what's hitting most people at Oakton? What's something they need to hear? What's something that enemies in and out of in a lot of people? May not be everybody. Give me a majority win. I just wrote this sermon today, this afternoon. He said this to me. A past hurt or an offense can really give the enemy a stronghold in your life. A past hurt or an offense. How do you know? When you've been offended. How do you know when you have unforgiveness? I'll tell you how I know. Because every day I pray the Lord's Prayer. And I pray forgive me my sins. And then I always say Lord forgive others that have sinned against me. And then I wait. And I say Lord would you show me. Anybody. In my life. That I have unforgiveness towards. Because I don't have time for unforgiveness. I can't let the devil have that leverage. I can't let the devil have that advantage in my life. I can't do it. And how I do that is any person that comes up in my heart or my mind, because to me they're kind of the same thing. Anything that, if, if a thought, if a hurt, if a hurt thought comes, if a discomforting thought comes, if something, if, if somebody pops in my mind and I feel the emotion of sadness or I feel anger, I feel anger when I think about this person. And it might even have moved into hate when I think that. All those are signs that these are people that we need to release. And I realize that if I don't do this, the enemy is going to gain advantage in my life. And it's going to affect every other area of my life. My latest offense, which my offenses are gone every day. They don't stay. They don't stay long with me. Remember, forgiveness is an act of the will. It's not an emotion. You start by just submitting to the word of God and doing it because he tells you to. My last offense was my email lady. That's the goat in our church. We all have them. Hope none of the goats are here tonight. If you are, we'll drive you out with a stick. I agree with everyone. And then it comes. Here comes the email. I know when I see your name. Put the, you would think you could take the armor off when you're around brothers and sisters. When, when I put the armor up, I know she, when she emails me, I know the battle axe is getting ready to come out. So I have to go put my armor on and quit enjoying the fire with my friends. 
But all of a sudden I agree. Oh, pastor, I agree with everything you said today. You flattering spirit. You butter up spirit. I'm already on to you. I was so happy to see no holes in people's jeans today. I was able to worship God today. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Are you Romans 14 so weak in faith that if somebody has a hole in their jeans, you can't lift your hands to God? Are you really that weak? Are you really that small? God, I hope not. It sent me over the edge. It sent me over the edge. And I knew that I had to practice forgiveness for this woman. I was like, oh, please, God. Can I just be angry for a little bit? I said, no. You forgive her. You need to forgive her. And you cannot let that get inside of you. You know what? I did it with my mouth. But then I had a prayer meeting. And I kind of, a prayer meeting that day. And I blew up at the prayer meeting. And I was like, man... I'm sorry, I just embarrassed myself. I'm really upset about this. And thank God I was around people that gave me some grace. And then I'll be darned if I didn't go to board that night, board meeting. And I lost my cool at the council meeting. And I was like, wow, this is really deeper than I thought. This woman has gotten under my skin and it's, it's taken away from my whole day. The time that I have spent on this silly thing had just wasted, so much wasted time. So much joy that was lost. Can I tell you forgiveness isn't a good suggestion? It's a commandment. It says if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive you. Someone that someone that was a religious person said, Oh, Jesus, how many times do you think we should forgive someone seven times? Jesus sensed the spirit in that man and he said, no, 70 times 7. Oh, four, 70 times 7. He was doing the math, 490. And then he says, and let me, can I just add a day? 490 times a day for us that think that we forgive so much. Forgive as we want to be forgiven. You know, the king that forgave the person in Matthew 18 of millions of dollars, you might say. Millions of dollars the king forgave. And this man went out and grabbed the other person by the throat. And that even shows the the anger that this person that was forgiven. That even showed his aggressiveness. He grabbed that person by the throat and demanded, pay me back this seven cents that you owe me. The man said, I can't be merciful to me. No, I'm not merciful. Put him in prison. You guys know the story, but we need to go past knowing the story. The king was angry, symbolizing God. He said, bring that person back to me. You're telling me that I forgave you of millions. Millions. You couldn't forgive that person of a little thing. He said, take that man and put him in prison. And not only put him in prison, but... Release the tormentors on him. And I'm telling you something. If you refuse to give people the forgiveness that you've received, 
then you've given the devil advantage. And you're not only hurting others, you're hurting yourself to where you're the one that's being tormented. You're the one that can't sleep at night. Don't give me the I love God speech. And how you forgive, how, how, and you have forgiveness with someone. Don't give me the I love God speech and you have unforgiveness for someone. I was feeling that one strong. Don't give me the, oh, I love God speech. And you harbor unforgiveness for someone. You're not only, you're, you're deceiving yourself. The Bible says if we're living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus cleanses us. See, we all quote that. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. It's right there. It also says, it also says, if you're living in the light as God is in the light, right there where it says God's forgiven you, it puts it right back on you. As God's forgiven us, it puts it right back on us right there. And it says, if you're living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship one another. And the blood of Jesus cleanses us from sin. Do you want to be cleansed from sin? then we need to forgive others of their sins. Even tonight in the praise and worship, if you ever have unforgiveness towards people, again, are there people that you have these terrible emotions for? That's your indicator light. That's your like your idiot light on the car. It's like, you need to do something about this, okay? God says, Jesus said, leave your gift at the altar. Lord, I bring the sacrifice of praise. Lord, we praise you tonight. While I'm harboring all this unforgiveness towards somebody, leave your gift at the altar. First, go and be reconciled to that person. Then come back and offer that. I know that we may not like to hear these kind of things, but it's the truth. And I'm about seeing people free. And if we'll hear truth and be free, then we can go home and sleep tonight and have some peace. Trust me, I have had to practice what I preach. If you've been a full-time pastor for 33 years, the Bible says where the oxen is, there is (laughs) poo-poo. Where the oxen is, there is poo-poo. When you you decide that you're going to roll your sleeves up and get involved in somebody's marital problem, or get involved with somebody's addiction problem, or get involved with some type of problem, when you decide to roll your sleeves up, any pastor will know this is truth. You guys should be amen me out of the park tonight. That you, I, every time I do it, I count the cost. I, I'm like, are they really going to change? I don't know if I want to put myself out there. Are, are, are they really going to heed counsel? Are they really open to truth? Do they really want to know what could help them? Because you know how many times that the people that you lead to the Lord, the people that you baptize in water, the people that I've laid hands on and saw and I've seen them filled with the Holy Spirit of God, the ones that I go visit in the hospital, the ones that I take a check by when they're having a crisis or a needy situation, you get involved in their life. And that's why pastors, I'm telling you, pastors are broken. And Carmen and I have started a ministry called BGM, Brian Garfield Ministries. And our mission statements is healthy pastors, healthy churches. Pastors are falling out like flies of abuse. 
and, and getting involved with people's lives and then becoming the, the blame or the, or, or the whatever. I'm telling you, you need to pray for your pastors. You, 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 even people, well, I don't even want to get, do, do, do that. I, I want to be, I want to be nice on that. But, There was a there was a group of people at our church. Every one of them I led to the Lord. Every one of them in the last 20 years. And when I went on sabbatical in 2015, and I'll be honest with you, I had a nervous breakdown because of some of the stuff I'm talking about, and I had to take seven months off. I had three months I couldn't even talk, and I had to sit in a motel and have my wife feed me and take care of me. I probably should have been in the hospital. Because of the stuff I'm talking about. And that's why I'm so passionate about it. Is, um, and that's why I'm so passionate about helping pastors. But, but, um, all these people, I, I led them to the Lord. I baptized them. I left one, I, I, I helped them, I helped, I helped one of them to get credentialed as a minister. Bought his books for him. Helped him. Helped him all the way. Put him in charge when I left. When I came back, he liked the power. And when I started engaging, he didn't like it that he didn't have the clout and sitting in the big office anymore. And having the front of the stage and the people looking at him. Turned about seven families against me. To where... um, one, 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 of, one of the families, man, we had just poured our lives into this one family. And I get an email that says, do not ever email me again. Do not ever text me again. Do not ever contact me again. Do not ever anything. Do not even attempt to reach out to me ever again. And then it gave me seven reasons that this person told them. And I couldn't even rebuttal them. Every one of them. I don't even know where they came up with them. Had no idea. I was like, what? Are you kidding me? What? Are you? you know how hard it is to set back? And how many know it's tough when you can't be in control? How many of you are out of control in some of your situations? Life puts us in situations you are out of control. Maybe it's with a sibling. Maybe it's with a a child you have. Maybe things have happened and you're like, man, I can relate with that story. And I'm out of control. All All you have that you can do is get down on your knees and say, Lord, I release these people. I release these people. And I wish I could stay with my notes because I felt like it was methodical. And I like methodology. I love Methodists. I like methodology. I like it. I like the spirit, but I like order and stuff. But God even showed me, Brian, you have to take it past forgiving them. That's actually just the first step. The next step is you actually got to start blessing them. You, you, You have to start saying, Lord, I bless them. My enemy... Well, let me just skip down here a little bit. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm going to stay in my notes. Let's stay in the poo-poo. Did you know where the oxen is? There's poo-poo. No. <laughs> I, I do want to stay with, with, with my notes because I think it's methodical and I want it to be that way. Um, here's another one. I'm talking about how I can relate with people that have trouble forgiving. Here's another one. In my second church, somebody brought something up. I was in my 20s. I knew I didn't know what I did. I knew I didn't know what I was doing. I used to pull into Imes. You guys remember when it was Imes Dodge? Is that right? Is it the Imes Dodge? I used to pull in there. I'm not kidding. I used to pull in there and grab my steering wheel of my red pickup and cry and say, God, I don't know what I'm doing. God, I don't want to be a pastor. Can I just go to college and learn how to be a pastor? I, I don't want to be a pastor. I don't want this stress. I don't want this responsibility. And I say, God, these people are having to learn by my mistakes. These people are having to learn by my stupidity and by the things that I've done wrong. How many of you parents have prayed that? Did you get any handbook on how to raise kids? That's why we're great grandparents, but we're lousy parents. Okay? Um, man, I'd be a great pastor in my 20s now. Okay? But, but, man, so I used to do that. But, man, I had 21 reasons that you stink as a pastor at my second church. 21 reasons you stink as a pastor. And I was wounded, depressed, discouraged. Lord, I'm doing the best I can. I was nursing it. I was rehearsing it. I was doing all that stuff, and the Lord said, hey, Brian, oh, I'm supposed to stay in front of this camera. Hey, Brian, he said, take that list and go into the, go into the sanctuary and pray. I said, okay, God. I took the list, and I went into the sanctuary to pray, and the Holy Spirit came to me as clear as a bell, and he said, I want you to read every one of them. And I want you to open yourself, not up to them. I want you to open up yourself to me who loves you lots and wants you to do good. And see if there's any truth in what they said. You know all 25 reasons, 21 reasons I stunk as a pastor? They were out to get me. But God was out to deliver me. I looked at those. And God in his gentleness and his love saying, yeah, yeah, sorry, sorry, buddy, but yeah, really, God, yeah, well, it got where it felt real good. You know, the discipline of the Lord feels great, feels so good. He's so delicate with us. And I went through all those, and I became a better man through that. You know, I felt the Holy Spirit. I haven't thought of that story for years. I felt the Holy Spirit say, some of you that are pleading your cases and letting it know why you have the right to feel like you are do. And you have the right to hold this. Maybe the Holy Spirit wants you to Open your ears to what's being said. 
I tell you, I've been counseling for 33 years. I can tell in a minute when the husband's trying to change the wife and he ain't trying to change himself a lick. Don't go anywhere. And I can tell when the, all the wife's there to do is, is to try to change the husband and she can't see a lick what's going on in her life. And so they just say, they just stay messed up. And they don't get to walk in the fullness of God because they're stubborn. Do you know that, do you know, God said, what I put together, let no man put asunder. The reason Moses gave the bill of divorce is he said, you know, some people just aren't going to give up their stand. And they're not going to yield to each other. Relationship is all about yielding. Yielding to each other. Not winning. It's not about winning an argument. Or winning a statement. That's why Jesus said, Peter, put your sword down. It's about dying. There's too much competition. I got to win. It's pride. It's arrogance. I'm talking about all relationships. I'm not talking about marriage. I'm talking about all relationships. When we can't hear and we can't be open and we take our pedestal and we don't have an inch of give. Moses said, it's because of stubbornness of heart and the pride of man, I had to give a bill of divorce to separate. Okay, let's not talk about marriage. Though it is talking about marriage. How many relationships sever? Divorce. How many divorce relationships do you have? Aren't we all going to heaven in the same place? We have got to learn to get along. We've got to learn to do that. We've got to learn to do that. It's tearing our nation up. If you don't see like I do, believe like I do, and walk like I do, and talk like I do, and not like I do, then you're the enemy, and there's a division. A division. By the way, by the way, when you give people up to prayer, and when you do start blessing those seven families, it took about three years, but I just marked off the last one. I want everybody to clap your hands. High praise to God. I am in fellowship with all seven of those families. All seven. All seven. And you know how it's happened? I buried a couple of them, literally. Who do they call when they need buried? Who do they call? They go back to the person that helped them to begin with. A prophecy of Jesus in Psalm says, the very, person that ra- the very person that I fed at my table raises their heel against me. The very person that Jesus took care of, Judas, betrayed him. It's not a wonder. It's really not a wonder. But I know that forgiveness is a pathway to health. It's a pathway to healing. It's a pathway to peace. The Bible says, lead me in the path of righteousness. For your name's sake. 
I, 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 I don't like it when people leave out that Psalms 24 when they say, lead me in the path of righteousness. For your name's sake. For Jesus' sake. For heaven's sake. Lead me in the right path. Unforgiveness takes away peace. It leaves you feeling like something's left undone, like you can't move on. You have to stay stuck in the past. There's no closure. There's no future. There's no going on. When you forgive the torment, the pain, the suffering, the stress, the awkwardness, the big ordeal that causes chaos, the sweat, the, the sweats at night, the waking up fearful, the, all that leaves and you have nothing but a scar left, but it's not an open wound. And Paul said, I bear in my body the marks of the Lord, which is a good thing. Be at peace with all people. I didn't write down where this is, but it says, do not repay evil for evil. Think about that. Don't repay evil for evil. Am I hearing me tonight? Don't repay evil with evil. Be careful to do what's right in the eyes of everyone. Not only is Jesus' eyes seeing, other eyes are seeing. If it is possible, as far that depends on you, that's where there are times that you're out of control and all you can do is say, I forgive and I bless. As much as it it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends. But leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, man, the Holy Spirit just hit me. Leave room for God's wrath. You know why we need to, you know why, everybody listen to this. Do you know why we need to leave room for God's wrath? Because our judgments are many times not the correct judgments. Anybody out there say amen. How many of you ever prayed something and wondered why, you're like, boy, I wish that prayer had been answered. And then later down the road, you're like, thank God he didn't answer it like that. Because we all got our idea. You, you know, I, 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 that's too much power that I want as a human being. Because even when, yeah, I was talking to a friend today or yesterday. And I was talking to a friend and they, and they said to me, they was telling me something and we started talking and I was like, well, we don't know what that person's going through. You know, some of the angriest people, if you knew their story, you'd probably give them a lot of grace for their anger. And, and some of the most bitter and mean people. There's a reason they're mean. People that are critical and judgmental. And you seem to be on the catching end of that. The reason we have to leave the wrath of God to God is because the wrath of man will probably bring the wrong result. Because we don't see in hearts. We don't see in minds. We weren't there where they were at. We haven't been where they're at. 
And that's why I love when it says that we have a high priest that is touched with the very feelings of our infirmities. That scripture in the Greek means he was in our skin. He understands. You have a high priest that understands you because he was in your skin. He is the God is the only one that can speak wrath. God is the only one that can bring judgment because the judgment and wrath of man is probably wrong most of the time. Think how many wars have been done in the name of God. Think how many, think how many fights that have happened at work or preachers that have hit pulpits or Sunday school teachers that have taught and they've done things not in accordance with the word. But it was done in the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. There's a lot of people that's things that's supposedly done in God's name. Was it? I like thinking about this kind of stuff. Even the Crusades. Even the Crusades. I wasn't there. Maybe there were some good Christian soldiers. Trying to bring Jesus to a people that don't know him. Maybe there were. I'm sure there were. I'm sure there were some Christians fighting for the right cause. But there were also some Christians who were like, let me kill some of them bloody savages in the name of Jesus. And you look at their crosses and you're like, that ain't my cross. Boy, I'm feeling an anointing tonight. The reason this scripture, I've never seen this. It's happening right now. It says, leave room for God's wrath. I heard the Holy Spirit say the reason we have to leave room for God's wrath is because our wrath and judgment's wrong most of the time. For it is written. It is his to avenge. God said it's mine to avenge. I'll take care of it. Guys, we shouldn't want judgment on our worst enemies. If you get so mad at somebody that you want things bad to happen to them, ooh, that's some thin ground. You shouldn't want bad to happen to anybody. Oakton? Should want Mark's church to grow. Should want. There shouldn't be competition between churches. There shouldn't be. There shouldn't be any of this stuff. That happens. Um, God says it's mine to avenge. Hey, I'm going to ask you something. Do you guys trust. And again I want to preface this with. I'm not looking forward God is not looking forward to the great right throne to judgment. He's not. God is not looking forward to the great white throne judgment. He doesn't want anybody to perish. He loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He doesn't want anybody to perish. 
And some people are like, God will have His day and they'll pay. What is wrong with us? That is not Him. But the sad thing is, the accounts will be settled someday. There will be a separation of the goats and the sheep. But if you think there's going to be joy in heaven over one sinner that goes to hell, you're not, you don't know the same God I know. The only joy in heaven is when a sinner comes to God. That may be why God keeps putting it off. We're saying the Spirit and the Bride are saying, Come, Lord, come. The Holy Spirit and the Bride, us, the Bride, we're saying, Come, Lord, come. Come, Lord, come. But if I was having to do His job, I'd probably put it off as long as I could too. I really would. We we got it. We can't be angry with you people. On the contrary, if your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, again, I hear Christians preach this one wrong. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of fire on their head. They deserve it. No. Burning coals, the reason you do good to people is because then God can use that. And people will say, man, I have been a horse's hiney to thus and so for years. And they just keep being kind to me. Why is that? The reason God tells you to keep loving them and heaping coals of fire, that means repentance. It means purification. Not burn them up, send them to hell, which I've heard it preached that way. I bet some of you have done it. You know why I bet some of you have done it? Because I'm embarrassed of it, but I've done it. When I was a young, stupid preacher in my 20s that didn't know my head from a hole in the ground, I, I've done that. I've, I've done that. I've done that. So if you've done that, join the crowd. I've heaped coals of fire on them thinking that it was going to burn them up because I was stupid in Scripture. But now I know that that means purification. You know what Romans 2, 4 says? It says it's the forbearance of the Lord, it's the long-suffering of the Lord, and it's the gentleness of the Lord that leads men and women to repentance. Isn't reconciliation what it's all about? Isn't it living together in harmony what it's all about? It is to me. So... But I'll be honest with you, the, the email lady irritates me for half a day sometimes. I lose a half a day on the email lady. I do. But I've got it down to a half a day, and dog, by golly, it ain't a stinking two days anymore. It used to be months. How many years are some of you in it? Come on. Say amen or oh me. If the enemy's hungry, feed him. Be thirsty, give him some. In doing this, you'll heat burning coals on his head. 
You know, I've read, I, I, I'm getting, the reason I'm lingering is I'm learning tonight. I'm preaching things I've never thought of tonight. Almost all of it here on this one. I don't know if I preached this scripture by itself. And then it says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Does anybody know where that's at? It's Romans 12, 17 through 21. I had the 17 through 21. I've learned that God not only asked me to forgive them, but he asked me to pray for them. He asked me to bless them. You may be only, you may be able to only forgive them at first. Good job, young grasshopper. It's a good start. But now let's move on to asking God to bless them. And then it'll get to a point where you hear their name and you can see them and meet them on the road and see them at church or see them at Walmart. And it doesn't send you into a panic attack. Or you feel a coldness come over you. Or you feel an anger or hatred. You'll be able to be out of prison and enjoy life and smile at him and say, Hey, how you doing today? The horrible feeling when you see them will be gone. It not only releases them, it releases you. Sometimes there isn't a willingness from the other party to be in relationship. But as much that lies within you, let's be at peace and keep doing what we know is right. And God will take care of the rest. And then I'll end with this. Actually, that's just the first point of my sermon. We got three more points. (laughs) Um, It says this. I'm just going to end with this. I, you know, I got to stop doing this. I I work myself in a frenzy. Because um, last night I wasn't. Well, I won't say that. I, I worked myself in a frenzy today, and I was done on this. But I made this and this and this. But I think this is all God wanted to say tonight. Okay. So let me end with this. Do you know there's only one time in Scripture that I know of? And some of you guys that know Scripture, correct me if, if uh, correct me if I'm wrong. But there's only one time that I've read that I can remember where God commands the blessing, where God says, "I command the blessing, I command the blessing," and I, it's this. Read Psalms 133 with me. Behold how good and how pleasant it is. When people dwell together in unity. I want you to think of your home. I want you to think of your workplace. I want you to think of your church. I want you to think of your peeps. I want you to think of your people. I want you to think of your tribe. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for everybody when we're dwelling together in unity. God likes this. It says it is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down Upon the beard, even Aaron's beard. How many hear the word all the time? Lord, we want the anointing. Lord, let your anointing pour out in this place. Anointing means oil. Oil. When there is unity, when there is unity in a marriage, in a marriage, when there's unity in a church, when there's unity at a workplace, when there's unity with your tribe or your peeps, God, it's like God taking the anointing oil from heaven and he just pours it out. 
There's an anointing. There's an anointing on your home. There's an anointing on your marriage. There's an anointing on your relationship. How many want the anointing in the church service? The anointing's what breaks the yoke. It's the anointing that we're looking for. Well, when we dwell together in unity, there's an anointing that happens. That when there's such, I, when I, I've done this before too. I went through the stages where you just kind of dip the oil on your finger and put it on their head. But when I was in the 20s, I was like, I think you need to get a lot of oil. And I used to, I'd get a whole heaping bunch of oil and I'd go pop on people's head. Oh, it just felt like there was so much more anointing. And, and, and that felt so good that I'd put a little more. And then I moved into the stage where it was like this. Oh, God, let the anointing come. And we'd shout even louder and all this stuff. But, um. <laughs> people quit coming for prayer. I used to. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I used to love to mess up people's hair when it was just perfect. You just want to go. <laughs> I'm telling you, you do. You just want to. Oh, gosh, I'm immature. My wife always says, you are a fifth grader. And I say, yep, I sure am. I was blowing bubbles in praise and worship, and my mom's over there saying, Give me your gum. Give me your gum. Tonight. Tonight. She's like, Get that gum out of your mouth. And I just looked at her and blew a big bubble and stuck my tongue out at her. During praise and worship, Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. And I still felt good praise and worship. <laughs> he does. Thank you. Oh, you mean mom? Oh, come on. What, what, what's your name? Karen. I release Karen right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, just bless her. <laughs> I'm teasing. <laughs> oh, thank God for you. Um, guys, there was so much oil, it dripped off his beard. So much oil, it went down his skirts and off his fingertips. That's what unity does. Look at this next example. As the dew of Hermon, as the dew that descended off the mountains. Somebody's going to have to help me finish. My notes got cut off. How's that in? As the dew of mountains. Oh, you guys are awesome. As the dew of Hermon. And as the dew that descended on the mountains of Zion, Zion's a church. Guys, I'm from, I lived in Wyoming and Colorado. The mountain snows melt. As the snow that melts on the mountains and all this beautiful fresh water comes down. As the dew of Hermon descended upon the mountains and brings fresh waters down to the valleys. For there the Lord, everybody say it, commanded. Commands the blessing. He commands the blessing, even life forevermore.
Hallelujah. O tarabo sotere rebe kova mashite levikiana. O rabashite ala makala masiti elevikiato. O ramasiti ala makiata la masiti ala bosonda la diete. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Carmen and I have started a ministry called BGM, Brian Garfield Ministries. Again, we're, we're for healthy pastors and healthy churches. But I have a prayer team. I have a prayer team. And after I wrote this sermon, I, in all of my years, I haven't quite felt like I did when I finished the sermon today. And I wrote... Um, I wrote, I wrote, prayer please. Prayer please, my friends. I'm getting ready to go in. I feel like God's telling me to demolish strongholds and tear the devil's kingdom down in Jesus' name. I feel a warring in my spirit that I only felt one other time when I was in Africa. And I, and I said, this means war. I really hear war. I really hear a battle cry. I, I can't go to church early because there's such a seriousness. I can't explain the seriousness I feel right now. Please pray, prayer team. And they started writing back stuff. Go destroy it, Brian, by the power of Jesus' name. Okay, praying. And then I wrote, I need some warriors. Warriors, I need you. I really feel we're going in the devil's strongholds tonight and we're taking people from him. You got it. Get that determined face. Be strong in the Lord and His power and might. Go get them, Brian. And then one of them wrote, But in that coming day, no weapon turned against you will succeed. You will silence every voice raised up to accuse you. These benefits are enjoyed by the servants of the Lord. Are there any servants of the Lord here tonight? Your vindication will come from me. I, the Lord, have spoken it. If there is an area of your life, we just talked about forgiveness tonight, but if there is any area of your life, if there is an area of, of, of a besetting sin or an unforgiveness or, or a hurt or a habit, anything, or a, a, an addiction problem, you name it, it's, it, it should be open forum tonight. If there's anything in anybody's life where you feel like the devil comes trancing in your life whenever he wants, however he wants, and just messes everything up, messes your day up, and messes up your life tonight i believe that there's freedom for people and i believe that the lord has spoken this over the people we declare that and we also declare this this scripture our prayer team got for this revival it said your leader will will you guys bring up micah 213 can you get nlt your leader to me, your leader will break out and lead you out of exile. Who's our leader? Somebody yell, Jesus. 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 Jesus, our leader, will break out and lead you out of exile. Out through the gates. The reason this is powerful is the person didn't know tonight's message was control the gates, control the city. He will lead you out through the gates of your enemy cities. Back to your own land. How many is ready to get back to Jerusalem? 
Get back to the joy of the Lord. Your king will lead you. Your king will lead you. Don't be afraid tonight. Whatever your addiction is, whatever your habit is, whatever your hurt is, whatever your unforgiveness is. If we can humble ourselves and reach out and take the hand of our leader, he will take us out through the enemy's gates. He'll walk you right by the devil that's been kicking your tail for months and months and years and years. He will walk right by the devil because the scripture says that he blots out the handwritings that are against us. And he has made an open display of the enemy. He's like pulled him through the city and let everybody see a defeated foe. I want you to say the enemy is defeated. The enemy is defeated. The enemy is defeated. He is defeated. My king is taking me out through the gates and saying, goodbye, enemy. I'm taking my people back to the land that I've called them into. I'm telling you that God has called you into a land of milk and honey. God's called you in a land of prosperity and happiness. The kingdom of God is not meat or drink, but it's righteousness. It's peace. It's joy in the Holy Spirit. If you don't have any joy, if you don't, if you feel unrighteous, if you don't have any peace or join the Holy Ghost. Your king is taking you into this land. Your king will lead you. The Lord himself will guide you. Hallelujah. Just begin to come. I want you to imagine reaching up and I want you to get out of your seat and follow the king. Follow the king out of your addiction. Follow the king out of your unforgiveness. Follow your king out of your hurt. Follow your king out of your pain. Just stand up and come as an act of surrender. Of I'm coming to you. You can kneel. You can march around. Let the king take you out of exile. Let the king take you out of bondage. I feel some of you just need to walk around the room. I'm marching out. I'm marching out of bondage. I'm breaking chains off my legs. I'm breaking chains off my mind. Mindsets. I'm breaking words. I'm breaking words that people have spoken over me. I'm breaking them off that they, they, words are so powerful. People say things to me and it affects me even when I'm preaching. I'll hear these things. Lord, we break off every word. We break off every word that's been spoken against us. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. And every word that's spoken against us, the word says the Lord will condemn. Lord, I pray for wounded soldiers, wounded hearts. If your unforgiveness is a wound and you're like, this is a wound that hurts. You still got to do the same thing with it. I remember one time the hardest thing I had to do was tell a, a young lady that had been molested. I had to say, I'm just, I know you're hurting, but you have to forgive them. And you have to release it. Thank you, Lord.